0: Alright, so in 1 Samuel 16, uh, we have a story of King Saul who uh, started off pretty good. We see when Saul got started, the Spirit of God came upon him. I mean, Saul prophesied. Saul started doing good things. He, got, he became a different person, the Bible says. But eventually, Saul, he kind of got lifted up with pride. He rebelled against God. And as a result of his rebellion, we see that in verse 14 it says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And so uh, in this story, I don't believe Saul lost his salvation here. Understand the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we have as believers today. is something that God uh, gave in the New Testament. It's not something they necessarily had like we do today in the Old Testament. But often we would see the Spirit of God coming upon people. Like he'd come on Samson and Samson would have great strength and he would uh, do a lot of the amazing things he did. And King Saul, you know, being the mighty king that he was, he needed that spirit of God on him for him to be effective. But because he was rebellious, he ended up losing it. And we see David in Psalms 51 after his sin with Bathsheba, you know, he was afraid that that was going to happen to him too. And that's why he said, take not thine Holy Spirit from me. He wasn't saying, don't take my salvation. He just, he did not want to lose that spirit of God. He knew he needed it. And then he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation he lost his joy because he was doing wrong and uh and when you get backslidden, let me tell you it's going to mess with you it's going to mess with your mind and we see king saul he is in that state here and so the lord sends an evil spirit to trouble him because this is this is punishment now while this is going on we see in this story it says and saul's servant said unto him verse 15 behold now an evil spirit from god Trouble with thee. These guys accurately diagnosed what was going on with King Saul. And then it said, they said, "Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And then when we jump to verse 23, we see that that worked. Their prescription, it worked. Says, so "And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, That David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. And what I want to talk about this morning is the power of music, the power of music. There is a lot of power that is in music. I believe our music that we listen to, the music we have in this church, it is. It's a very important thing because let me tell you whether you want to admit it or not, it has an impact on your life. It does have a spiritual impact. And it's something that we ought to take very serious. And we see that even, I mean, thousands of years ago, back in David's day, these men, they were able to figure out the spiritual impact that music had on people. They knew enough to know that, you know, they hadn't heard from the, you know, contemporary Christians yet that, you know, music is moral and has no effect. It's just the words. Hey, folks, it's not about the words. I'll be saying more about that as we go. It's not just about the words. We just see David playing a harp. It doesn't say what he was singing. It doesn't say what he was saying. It was the playing of the harp. When he heard that music, when he heard the sound that it made, it did something to Saul spiritually. And, and it not only did it do something to Saul, it did something to that evil spirit. And that evil spirit said, I'm out of here. When it heard the music, it got out of there. Now, eventually it would come back again. And so then they'd have to play it again. You know, this was not a permanent solution. You know, Saul needed to get right with God is what he needed. But yet we do see in the story that it did have a powerful impact. And so um, turn over to Acts chapter 19, because notice, just like it says an evil spirit, it troubled him. We see in Acts chapter 19, a story of a man who was possessed by an evil spirit. And I do believe there's a difference between being troubled by an evil spirit and being possessed. I think a, a saved person can be troubled by an evil spirit, but I don't, I don't believe we can be possessed by one. It says in Acts 19:11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. So this is an amazing thing where God is using Paul, to get rid of the evil spirits that are in people. And and this was a great power, one that many wanted, one that many coveted. And it says here in verse 13, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. These guys, they thought it was all about some hocus pocus. They thought it was all about some... You know, technique. They had been watching all the Exorcist movies, and but you know, they were probably standing there. The power of Christ compels you. They're throwing holy water. You know, they're they're doing whatever you know witchcraft they had been you know been promoted on getting rid of these things that ultimately doesn't do anything. And so they saw the Apostle Paul. Well, he's just you know invoking the name of Jesus, and it's getting the job done. But there was a problem. These guys weren't saved. These guys weren't like the Apostle Paul. These guys didn't have that kind of power but they thought we're going to steal his method and then it will work. And so they mentioned Jesus uh, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them, seven of them and prevailed against them. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So notice, you know, and I, I, I don't, when it comes to evil spirits, do they all have the same power? How does it all work? You know, I don't know. This isn't a lesson about demonology or anything that we're doing this morning, but I just say all this to say, you know, these evil spirits, they have power the, an evil spirit that was in this one man literally beat the snot out of seven guys, sent them off naked and wounded, humiliated these men. That's the kind of power that they had. We see an evil spirit in the Old Testament. I don't know that it's the same one or it has the same power. But either way, we have people in the world who have this power to you know, cast out demons, they have some, some kind of control over them, and they don't know how to do it. But yet we see in the Old Testament, a certain music got rid of one, that it had power over one. And so I say all that to just say music does have a spiritual impact. It does have power. We don't want to use these passages, uh, you know, as a proof text to just prove that everyone that has a bad spirit is possessed by a demon, you know, or oppressed by a devil. That's not what we do with these passages. That's what some of you want to do. Somebody's in a bad mood, you know, I think you got a devil troubling you right now. Sometimes people are just in a bad mood. But, you know, you can often tell when it's just somebody having a bad day and when there's a real spiritual problem. And these guys, these servants of Saul, they had enough wisdom to tell the difference. That hey, this isn't just you know we get, we fed him his favorite food. He's not just hungry. We have any some of us have evil spirits take over when we get hungry, right? Okay, that's not evil spirits. Just that's just your body screaming for sustenance. You know, but, you know they they went through all the usual things. This was clearly a spiritual problem going on. And so the fact that the Bible tells us, you know, God sent this evil spirit. This is also not a proof text to use to prove that anyone with a bad spirit that you have a problem with is being punished by God. Don't do that either. It's amazing how we take all these stories from the Old Testament and we just use them as like power over other people to make everybody else, you know, that's our enemies bad or something. But, you know, when we read passages like this, you know, it does not clearly explain everyone's individual situation, but it does give us options we can consider. You know, so it's okay if somebody's just really be in trouble to maybe consider the possibility that it could be an evil spirit, you know, but that, but we don't necessarily know it's not teaching us how to judge that situation. So what mainly what I'm wanting to pull from this passage today is just the fact that music has power, that there, it does have a spiritual impact. And we do see that good music can drive away evil spirits. Now, isn't that something we probably want to do in church? I mean, if good music can drive away evil spirits, I think church is a good place to try to do that because we want these services to have a spiritual impact on our life. We want the Holy Spirit to get through. We want the Holy Spirit to do a work on the hearts and minds of people. We might have people that come into this church who are troubled by evil spirits. I think that's another good reason, too to try to get people into church. I believe in, you know, going out there, going soul winning. but I think it's good too, if you can get them in church. You know, cause the thing is too, when we go to their house, one, it's too easy for them to get rid of us because they've got all the power there. Also around the house, you've got all the distractions. You've got all the things that, you know, just keep their mind off of anything but the word of God. But you know there's something about coming into a church service where you're around people that are united about the things of God when you kick off the service singing praises to God, when you're, when you're singing that good, godly music, that kind of thing is going to have an impact that might drive that evil spirit from that person away for a while so the Holy Spirit can do a work. So listen, folks, don't let the fact that lame churches that don't want to go soul winning, that they only use church for evangelism, you know, don't let that be an excuse for us to just never do it. There is a time for it. We should do that, and, you know, and every once in a while we have special services kind of geared towards that, but I, I believe this can have an impact. And, uh, all these things, they do something, and I believe good music, it will drive away those evil spirits. In First Timothy 4.1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, if we know from the Bible that evil spirits don't like good music, and if we know that seducing spirits, evil spirits, are going to try to get into the church to teach doctrines of devils and bad doctrine, then should we be surprised if when you see a shift in doctrine we also see a shift in music and did you know you typically see the shift in music before you see the shift in doctrine all of a sudden people start getting a little more sensual with their music and listen I'm, I'm amazed at the arguments that we're even having today about music where people will say you know your music can't be sensual yet there's a type of music that people that will usually be played on a love scene during a movie or something and also, when it comes to certain music, okay, these latest artists today, okay, the the women who sing the songs that the world's promoting, how are they typically dressed? Are they typically dressed? I mean, they it, it's usually very sensual, isn't it? And the thing is, there's just, there's something, and, I, and here's the problem, we can't just get up here, at least I'm not smart enough. show you the scientific evidence for how this all works. I can't show you why a certain type of music makes you want to dress a certain way but I can show you that when you use a certain type of music you dress a certain way too. I don't understand why that is. I don't understand why you can't sing sensual music dressed like this. I I, I don't get it. If I was going to go start a heavy metal band and I came walking out with my electric guitar dressed like this, everybody's going to look at me funny. Because for some reason you're supposed to wear tore up clothes, you got to have crazy hair, you know, look like you just came out of an insane asylum or something. Why can't you dress like this? Okay, I can't I can't explain the science and all that, but folks, I can see it. Okay, it, it's common sense. There's some things I can't explain, but I can, you know, but we can see it. And we're being told today, don't judge that, don't look at that. You're you're a legalist if you do look at these things, but. Folks, it's just a fact that when the music goes south, the doctrine goes south too, every single time. And I, I believe it's because those seducing spirits, okay? those seducing spirits, I believe they're driven away by the godly music. I believe they're driven away mainly by good Bible preaching. But you know what? I can stand up here with this King James Bible and I can preach almost nothing. You know, there's a lot of people, they're capable of getting up for an hour, opening up a King James Bible and saying nothing. Okay? And we've we've all experienced that before. So that doesn't mean it, you know, that doesn't really, that's not going to do anything just because I got the right Bible. I've got to actually be, I've got to actually be preaching it. So the thing is, well, we've, we've got to be doing something to drive these away and good Bible preaching will help. But you know what? A lot of people are getting rid of that. And then all of a sudden we see the music start slipping and the music too, you know, when all these weird doctrines start coming in, when people start throwing out their King James Bible and all this stuff, typically the music that's going on in their church is more sensual. I mean, all of a sudden people go from singing music that's uplifting and cause them to pray that makes them just kind of want to do weird dances that I'm not going to do any demonstrations of because I'll embarrass myself. But why is it? Why is it that every one of these praise teams always has to have the girl up there in tight pants and big holes in her jeans? You know, I, I, and let me. And you know, I'm not picking on her for being poor and wearing pants with holes in them. She paid more for those pants than I paid for my pants with no holes in them. I can promise you that. She paid more for those tore up jeans. I think I paid $16 for a pair of jeans I just bought a couple of weeks ago. I guarantee she probably paid 40 or 50 bucks for those ripped. So I'm not picking on her for being poor. You know what I am doing? I'm, but I am picking on them for being sensual. You know, I mean, how, how is that appropriate? I just saw this in one of these churches where the girl up there leading the praise team, she's got a great big old hole in her pants exposing her thigh. How is that appropriate in church? And yet, and then you you see that type of seductive music up there, girls dressed in provocative ways, singing sensual music. I mean, they look like they're you know making out with a microphone the way they sing into it. And then, I'm, I promise, if you go to a church, okay, I'm not a gambler, but I would bet money and it would be gambling. You go to a church like that, that has some sensual female up there making out with a microphone, singing, the guy is not going to get up there and just let her rip from a King James Bible. I promise you that. He is not going to get up there and do that. He is going to get up there and probably be effeminate and he's just going to preach some soft message that just doesn't make anybody convicted of anything. And let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit shows up, you're going to get convicted. He reproves the world of sin. And yet that's the last thing that's going to happen in any of these churches. And I'm telling you, I, do, I don't I do believe music is the only thing keeping the seducing spirits out of churches, but I believe it's it's huge. And you know what? You're not going to do it. You're not going to bring in these doctrines of devils when you have the kind of music that we have in our church. It's just, it's not there. And so we've got to, we've got to watch out for that thing and Again, I can't give you the list of songs that are okay. You know, I, I, you know, I can't show you the science behind all of it. You know, talk to Brother Dana about that. He might be able to help you out a little bit more with that. But I, I don't know. That's that's a complicated subject. But either way, we should pay attention to the doctrine that's coming from people that use certain types of music. And let me tell you, the preachers. That are preaching the way we preach and the way we see in the Bible, they're not using that stuff. You know, they're using the kind of stuff that we use, and I think we ought to pay attention to that. You know, not everyone too, you know, is capable of discerning the spirit of something. Sometimes, you know, some people are better than others. It's a special gift that God gives the people in the church. It says in 1 Corinthians 12:10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. That's, uh, so that is a, spe- a, a specific spiritual gift that God gives some people. Some people are really good at just discerning the spirit of something. And you know what? You ought to pay attention to those people where they're often able to tell. And, you know, a lot of times they don't know how to explain it for sure. I don't even know how to explain all this stuff. But I'm telling you, you can walk into a church most of the time and know what you're getting yourself into. You can just walk into the auditorium and there is just something about the look of the place. There's something about the smell of the place that just tells you everything. I can look at an auditorium and I can tell you what kind of music that they're going to have. I, you know, I don't. You know, why can't you have, you know, a you know uh, old-fashioned-looking building and play contemporary music? Why is it that when the look changed, the music changed? I, I don't understand why these people all have to do it that way. Yet they do. Why is it that a guy can't get up and preach soft, effeminate, lame, watered-down preaching in a suit and tie like this? Why does he always have to dress, you know, like something that came off of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy or something? I don't know. I don't know any of the homo shows that are out there, but, you know, why, why is that? Why, why do they have to do that? You know, I, it, it, I, don't, I don't understand how that all works, but it's just a fact. And the thing is, there are spirits that come with these things. There's a spirit that's in churches today that I don't want here. And the spirit of a church and the music of the church often have very much in common. And uh, so it, it's not—you know—these things aren't 100%, but they're—they're they're way up there. And you can—you can walk into a church and listen to the music before the service even starts, and it will tell you a lot about what's going to happen during the preaching. It'll tell you a lot of what's going to happen in the service. You just know it by by the music. And so another thing, too, about music, music is a tool that not only expresses emotion. Music expresses emotion. The only people that will deny these things are liberal Christians that want to have worldly music. That's it. But also, it can affect your emotion, which is another thing that shows how powerful it is. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. So the Bible tells you, if you're able to control your own spirit, you're a strong person. Well, what if I can control your spirit? Somebody else's. You know, what if I have some tool that can affect your emotion and your attitude? We would consider that a very powerful tool, wouldn't we? Well, what better tool for that than music? And if you don't think music affects emotion, and I'm not saying the words, I'm saying the music. The music, then I just I don't know what planet you're living on. But people have always used music to purposefully affect the mood that they want. It says in uh turn over to first Samuel chapter 18 and verse six. So we have a exciting time coming up, great things are happening. This is a time to be celebrated. This is, you know, David is plant, he knows, you know, the ark is coming back. So this is something that we should, we should appropriately celebrate. So if we're going to celebrate, if we're going to, enjoy, you know, celebrate something great that God's doing, it would make sense that we have music to fit the occasion. And it says in verse 6, and it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet with King Saul, with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousand. That wasn't the one verse I was wanting to go to, but we'll go to the one I was wanting to here in a minute. But on this one, we see that David beat the Philistine. David beat Goliath. So what did they do? They had instruments of joy. Well, you know, what are those exactly? Well, again, said. There's some thing, you know, you have you have depressing instruments too that are out there. Okay, I mean I don't know what'd be a good example. Like I mean and, and I guess with instruments it's how you play it. Okay? It's it's really how you play it. because um, I was gonna say like organs sometimes can be really depressing, but you can you can organs can be joyful too, can't they? How about have you ever been to a baseball game? And you know, so they, they there's ways you can do all of it fun. But at the same time, they were using these instruments to Put a message of joy out there. Why? Because something great had happened. We see in 1 Chronicles chapter 15. This is the one I was thinking of. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 15 verse 15. says, And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. So when the Ark is coming back, David wants this to be a joyful occasion. So you know what he did? He called on the singers. He called on the players of instruments. Why? Because he wanted the people to be joyful. Now, here's the thing. If the Ark of the Covenant coming back is something that should bring joy, well, then shouldn't just people just be joyful? But you know what? Sometimes we like to just We need a little boost, don't we? Sometimes we just need a little bit of help, and sometimes too, said it's just it just makes it better. I mean, folks, we could you know have joy and praise God and just we could all you know let's just take you know let's just take thirty seconds right now to just sit here and praise God in our mind and just think about how great He is. Anybody having joy right now, you know. I mean, you know, we, you know we're not going to do that, but if we were just to stop and try, all right, let's just see how much joy we can build up by sitting here and thinking about these things. You know, we might, get some, we might make something happen, you know. But I think it would just be a lot easier. Just like, you know what, let's get those instruments back up here. Let's start playing a joyful song and start doing some singing. And then, you know, it'll happen just like that. It'll happen just, if we sing the right kind of song. You know, if we get up and they start playing some kind of country song about your girlfriend leaving you, then we're probably not going to get there. We'd be better off just sitting there trying to think joyful thoughts. But at the same time, they get up and they do the right kind of music. All of a sudden, we're going to have that joy. And so this is a big occasion. This is something to be celebrated. So David said, he gets the Levites. Hey, let's get the music out. Get the singers ready because this is a day that should be full of joy and let's use the music to help get people in that frame of mind because David was feeling it, but he wanted to make sure everybody else was feeling it too. And so he used music because music does music helps these things and it does. It takes a special level of ignorance to think that the spiritual impact of music is all about the words. It's not folks. It's not about the words. That's what the trendies are trying to tell us. But you know what? imagine just imagine playing stars and stripes forever for the wedding march. We're going to be having a wedding here next month. If when the bride comes in, you know, we just have da 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 da. da. Hey, it's it's just music. You know, it, it's about the words. We'll put some words into it. You know. No, it you can't do it. You can't do stars and stripes forever for something like a wedding. It just can't be done. No matter what words you put to it. You know why? Cuz it's about the music. You know, that's a music of you know, celebration of, of action of, you know, marching of, of a circus or something like that. You know, there's, you know, imagine playing Takata and Fugue in D minor to a celebration. I don't know if you know that one. That's that organ song. Dun, 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 you know, that one, you know, kind of a scary song. That's something you play more on Halloween. You know, if we were going to try to scare people, but imagine playing that for a celebration. It just, it wouldn't work. Everybody's gonna like. W- what is going on here? I used to. I used to do that just for fun. I would make videos of certain things happening with music that just didn't fit the situation. For example, uh, I won't share this publicly. Uh, I think I still have the video somewhere. But there was this guy who we used to watch at ball games that we would play at against other Christian schools, and he was always getting so mad and having a bad attitude, and he just uses real jerk. He's like screaming at the refs and stuff. So one day I set the camera up and I filmed him the entire game and he had several flip outs in there. And I, and so after, you know, I got back home, I edited together all this, this guy just flipping out and angry and I had it in slow motion. And the music I had going on the whole time was Louis Armstrong singing. What a Wonderful World." <laughs> It was the most unfitting song for what was going on, but it made it funny. It just, it made it really funny. And, uh, you know, if you've seen th- videos like that before, where just bad things are happening, but funny stuff's playing and it just confuses the mind. It, c- it confuses the mind. Why? Because music does send a message and it would, it would be considered inappropriate. Okay, even the trendies who act like music is moral and it's just about the words, if I played like some kind of celebration song, some happy celebration song, while there's a video of the Twin Towers falling on 9-11, they'd all get offended by it. You shouldn't use that kind of music for something like that. But I thought music was immoral. I thought it was just about the words. I thought we could take secular songs and put Christian words to it and it's okay. So fine, that song has happy words with it. Well, I'll change the words to sad words and then, then it'll be okay, right? No, folks, there, there are these arguments. They don't make sense. The music itself sends, a, has a mood and an emotion to it. And it is, it's unimaginable ignorance to claim any different. And so, we, and here's the other thing too. If all music is about the words, then why do we even have music genres? You know, because often music is put in certain genres, even if there's no music with it or, no words with it, I mean, even if there's no lyrics, because, you know, we have all different kinds of ethnic music, don't we? You know, and if we were going to have any type of, you know, community celebration for any culture, what are the three things that are featured that event? If we were going to have something for you know Hispanic heritage or German heritage or whatever. What are the three main things that people do if we were gonna have some kind of festival honoring any ethnicity? What would we what are the three things? Food, music, and what else? Yeah, costumes, the clothing. Right? Everybody's gonna everybody's gonna dress a certain way for that thing. Yet at the same time the trendies are trying to tell us That, you know, as Christians, I mean, we're citizens of the Commonwealth of Israel. Okay, You know, we represent uh, a heavenly group of people. We represent Jesus Christ. And yet we can't have sacred music. We can't have music that's exclusively Christian. We're not we we can't have a way that we dress. We can't have a way that we do things. It's like and yet everything they want to do in their church is copying off whatever the world's doing. And the trendies too—they like to get on to us about our Americanized Christianity and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, um, when you look back—and this is where it gets confusing in America—because America used to be a very Christian nation, and so it's sometimes hard to tell if, when we're looking at kind of our Americana-type history, was it—you know—are these things about America? Or was it about the Christianity that was in America at that time? But either way, we do, we've got, you know, a lot of pastors and churches today that are trying to be more like it used to be when America was more Christian. And they accuse them of just trying to be like an old America. But no, maybe they're trying to just be like more Christian, how things used to be. Because this new crowd that's coming along, everything that they're doing looks exactly like our modern culture today. Looks like America today. So, you know, who's really doing American Christianity? You know, it's it's these people. When it comes to their music, it's whatever the typical stuff is in America today. That's what they want to do. But, you know, you know either way you look at it, there's no doubt that how you dress the type of music, it identifies you with something. And our music should identify us with Christ. Our, our music should identify it us with things that are Christian. And that's why, too, it's often just referred to as sacred music. And why do they call it sacred music? Because it is, it's something that's used exclusively for worship and and for the house of God. And I think that, uh, I think it's okay for us to have that kind of thing. And so if every ethnicity can have their own music, I think we as Christians ought to be able to have our own. Uh, You said in the church, We should have music that worships God, or music of praise. Those those are very important in church. We should have music that brings us joy, okay? And not so much fun, okay? There is there's fun music, like circus music, something like that. You know, everybody likes the Indiana Jones song or the Superman song or whatever like that. You know, music gets you fired up, but no, there's a difference between fun music and joyful music, okay? And uh, you said circus is fun, not appropriate for church. I don't think we ought to use it for that, but music is a great tool for worship and it is one that pleases God. Look in 2 chronicles chapter five and verse eleven so you don't have to have music to worship God you know you can worship God on your own, but there's no doubt that music has always been used in worship of God. And I think there's a very good reason for that. But it says in 2 Chronicles 5.11, And it came to pass when the chief priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and, and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, of their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. And it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they had lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand and minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Here in this story, the, their their music, their worship that they did through music was something that God responded to. God heard it. And when God heard it, he showed up. He literally showed up. The Spirit of God filled the place so much that people couldn't even stand to be there. Okay? Maybe that's why they run at camp meetings. Maybe they're running out of the building because the Holy Spirit's showing up so much they can't stand to be in there, but... They, they just run in circles. So if they were just running out of the building, I might think there's something to it. (laughs) But, uh, so I don't, I don't know that this is the same thing that we're seeing right here. But, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know the exact taste of God when it comes to music. But I, I do believe that God responds to those whose hearts are right and he is pleased by our praise and worship when it's sincere and from the heart. Music, it helps us uh get into that frame of mind that God wants us in. You know, God wants us thinking about Him while we're at church. You know, I, I get it, y'all. We've all got our own problems, we've got our challenges, we've all got our things and our burdens that we're carrying right now. But you know what? God wants us when we come together to think about Him. God wants us to try to forget about those things for a little bit. Well let's just let's put those in the back burner. Hey, we'll have prayer time later. Right now, you know what? It's worship time. Right now it's time to think about God And you know what? Music will help us do that. And I believe if we will, if we will think about God, if we will worship God, God's going to respond to that. God's going to, God's going to show up for that. And the music helps us do that. Music is something that it does. It just, it gets our mind to a certain place that it needs to be. And I believe that it's not, again, it's not so much about like the exact music that makes God show up, but it's that frame of mind that we have. And, you know, what music gets you to that frame of mind? It might be a little different for some folks. It might be a little different. The music that gets us that frame of mind, a little different for us up here in the north and people down in the south. I don't know. It might be a little bit different as long as it gets us to that frame of mind. I think that's what's important. You know, it takes time. But when music is exclusively used for a specific purpose, you know, it has a way of getting an immediate response from us. We see in 2 Chronicles 7, 6, and the priests waited on their offices and the Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord because his mercy endureth forever when David praised by their ministry and the priests sounded trumpets before them and all Israel stood. These instruments, David made them specifically for praise and when the music played, you know what the people did? They stood. And isn't it true that music, it's capable with certain training or conditioning of sending a message not only to the mind, but also to the body so everyone immediately knows what to do. You know, not too long ago, we're at a White Sox game. All of a sudden, you know, they start playing certain music for the national anthem. What does everybody do? They just, you stand up, you stand at attention, you take off your hat if you're a guy. Everybody just does it. They can get the whole stadium to all of a sudden do the same thing by all of a sudden it getting quiet and then starting a certain music. Everybody knows what to do. They would do some things there. They start playing certain music. You know, I mean, just you can get an organ, da 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 da, and then just the whole place. Everybody else charge. How did they know to do that? It's conditioning, and you know, and everybody enjoys that kind of thing. It does it get you in that frame of mind, but you know, music will do the same thing too. You know, or or we can use that in church. If we use it for the right reason, if we use it in the right way, we see that they, that uh, they train soldiers that way. They used to do that in the Calvary and stuff. They play certain things in the bugle. Everybody knew what to do. When they heard a certain uh, tune play, they knew to charge or they knew to retreat. They knew, always knew what to do based on hearing some music, just immediately knew what to do. Uh, You know, if we were to, In a lot of churches, all you got to do is just tell everybody to stand, and then start playing "I Surrender All," and everybody starts walking to the front and praying at the altar. It's just conditioned. I mean, some people are so used to it. If you sing it as a con, they they never sing it as a congregational in the service because if they did, people start coming to the altar, and it ain't time yet. (laughs) That's how conditioned some people are. But at at the same time, you know, if you're wanting to pray. That song will probably help you with it. Because we just, it kind of conditioned that way. You know, and these things can be used for bad too. Everything you can use for the good in music, you use for the bad too. We see in Daniel chapter 3, verse 5, it says that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whoso fall not down and worshipeth, Shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace? And so what we see that he was trying to do, thankfully, it didn't have, it didn't stay around long enough because some people took a stand against it, but they had it all planned that, hey, we want everybody worshiping this image and we're going to teach these people when they hear the music. And I don't know what it sounded like or what it was going to sound like. Everybody's going to know exactly what to do. Everybody's going to fall down and worship. And thankfully, some guys, they didn't go along with the program. Thankfully, some guys, they stood up while everybody else is bowing down, but it wouldn't have taken much time at all. And before long, all they had to do, they wouldn't even have to tell anybody was coming. They just start playing the music and then boom, everybody's on their face. And we are, we're that way already in this country in many ways. Certain, certain things that, I mean, a ball game's prove that to you. Just go to a ball game and it'll prove what I'm telling you. You go to concerts and things, people here, they, they, they just know exactly what to do. And it's the same thing too, even in churches. So it can be used for good. It can be used for bad, but ultimately we want to use music to get us into that frame of mind. One where we're thinking about God, one where we're praising him is a good thing. And music does that. And so this message It's not one necessarily meant to just straighten everybody out on their music, but it is to show how powerful the tool it is. And we need to make sure we're using it the right way. And I'm thankful, you know, for the music that we have in this church. And, you know, I think it's important, too, that we, you know, and and we do. It is, there is um, a goal in mind. We are trying to accomplish something. We are trying to influence you with your music. Okay, we'll get it skid up in a minute right now. The trendies want to act like, you know, there's nothing to it. No, we want to get you thinking about God. We want to get you in an attitude of worship and praise. Sometimes we want to, we want to just, we want to lift your spirits with joy. And I believe music does that. And I believe that it does have a spiritual impact. And that's why we want to make sure that we keep it sacred. That's why we want to make sure that we keep it godly. And if it starts getting away from that, folks, we can bring in some stuff. That I promise you would enjoy. You know, that you that you know, that would cause you to have fun. But, you know, are we here for fun? Or are we here to worship the Lord right now? And there, and there's there's music that's out there too that's I don't think it's necessarily sinful, but it's not appropriate in church. I'm you know, and you know, when it comes to secular music, there's almost nothing that I like. I just I I don't listen to I've never listened to rock music voluntarily in my life. You know, we get it forced on us, just the way it plays publicly everywhere. But um, I, I will admit one worldly song I like, and I probably shouldn't even admit this. It was probably written by a homo or something like that, so I'm going to get condemned. But when I was working at the distribution center, they played Trash there all the time, but they had one song that I would like. They would often play it towards the end of the day on Friday when I was about to leave, and it was that song, So You Had a Bad Day or whatever. And I always liked it because I always had a bad day there. It was just like, I was always having a bad day. And so that song, it just, it made me feel good. But they they played it so consistently on Friday too. It also told me I'm almost done for the week. And so it literally did something to me that, you know, now if I hear that song, it makes me feel good. (laughs) And, and, you know, and it might be a terrible song, I don't know, but... And you all have stuff like that. You all have songs that take you back to certain places and that does certain things. And I think if we're all just honest with ourselves, we will admit that music is a very powerful thing. And so the thing that you've got to ask yourself, what kind of music am I listening to? Am I listening to stuff that has a very negative impact spiritually? Am I listening to uh, music of rebellion? And folks, it's out there. It's a real thing. You know, there's music that is violent. Even the world... The artists of these things will tell you that. Liberal Christians are the only ones that will argue with what I'm telling you right now. Are you listening to sensual stuff? Maybe you're having problems with your thought life, you know, and keeping your mind pure because you're listening to sensual stuff. You know, and you need to understand these things are having an impact on you. And you think, I don't know why I just can't do better spiritually. I just don't feel like I'm having a close walk with God. It might have something to... To do with what you're listening to all the time. What are you listening to in your car? We could probably, you know what? Soul servants could probably diagnose a lot of your problems if they li- just spent the week with you and was listening to your what you had on the radio. Well, you know, here's a problem you got right now. I mean, that that would tell us a lot. We're going outside after church and find out what's wrong with all of you. No, we're not going to do that. That's between that's between you and God. But I'm here to tell you, we probably could figure some things out. And so. I just I say all this to help you understand this is a powerful thing and you better be careful with it. It's just like medicine. You know, and drugs. You know not all drugs are bad. Sometimes we need a certain drug for different things and different problems, but you abuse those things, it'll mess you up. Yeah. And there are there's some there's stuff out there even with music, people are, are abusing it, they're and it's messing with them, it's changing you. Don't let it do that. Be careful. Music is a very powerful things so with that let's pray dear lord i pray this message was a help to everyone i pray you'll help us as a church lord to uh keep our music right lord i pray we'll keep the stuff in here that'll drive away those seducing spirits and we'll keep those doctrines of devils out of this church i pray you'll help us as uh, individuals as we uh, go our separate ways throughout the week i pray that lord will keep this you know worldly sensual stuff out of our out of our minds and out of our hearts you'll help us to uh Listen to stuff that's uplifting and edifying and that points us to you. And I pray you'll help us um, just to continue to uh, grow our music program in this church and to use it in a way that honors and glorifies you and gets people thinking about you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.